I won't waste any time, but I thought I'd give um, just a few introductions so you get to know Tom Gooby and, um, and Tori a little bit. So Tom is part of the clergy team here at HDB. He heads up Workplace. He's also the CEO of Love Your Neighbour. He is the founder and chairman of Resurgo, which is a charity which helps young people find work in the UK. He's also, he also used to be a lawyer, an entrepreneur, and was the co-founder of the Centre for Social Justice Think Tank, and he was awarded an MBE in 2018. Gooby is the Chief Executive of the Evelina London Women's and Children's Services, which is part of St. Guy's and St. Thomas's NHS Foundation Trust. She's an obstetrician and gynaecologist by training and has a background in medical management and leadership. She led the Women and Children's Division at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, just up the road. And she's also been involved with NHS transformation work, leading change management effectively in the NHS. Gooby is also an advisor to the Chelsea and Westminster Trust Board on diversity and inclusion and is passionate about women's education, equality, and inclusion in the workplace. And last but not least, um, Tori Bernson is the CEO of Standard Chartered Bank for Europe and the Americas and is based in London. He's responsible for leadership, strategy, client relationships, risk management, governance, and regulatory engagements for the entire region. He has over 43 years of experience in the banking sector. That's longer than I've been alive. Um, but prior to moving to London, where he's based now, he used to live in New York City. So, Tom. Tom, I, I wonder whether you could kick us off, because last week Archie talked about work being a calling, and I know you've done quite a lot of work thinking about... Um, redemptive work and the role and the theology of how we underpin this conversation. So I wonder whether I could hand over to you just for a few minutes to frame our conversation and set the, the kind of tone and, the, um, and your understanding of the role of work and how God works through it. Thank you, Catherine. And um, really, uh, we should just be acknowledging you as well because you were a very successful lawyer in New York as well. So you know all about work. So big applause to Catherine <laughs> as well. <laughs> Um, the, Archie, um, the, the vision that Archie set out for us last week, you know, I'd really encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to hear it yet, to, to listen back to it. It's, it's actually a breathtaking vision when we allow ourselves to really let it sink in that God, who first of all works himself, and therefore work is a good and a beautiful thing, calls us to join in in that work. Or to put it the other way around, he has chosen to work through our work in order to provide for people, to care for people, and to tend creation. It's a breathtaking um, privilege. And so we need to let that sink in. But yes, it doesn't always feel like that, Catherine. Um, I'm sure you'd agree. Anyone find work can occasionally feel a bit more uh, frustrating than that, um, and maybe even futile. Futile because I think, at best, it sometimes feels like, you know, our work's not really getting us anywhere. It's not making any difference. Or worse, because it actually feels like it's part of the problem. You know, if it, I know people who would think, God can't have made work for good because it seems like the opposite. It seems like work is the problem and not the solution. 
Instead of blessing and cultivating the world, it feels like, you know, work is often exploiting and dividing the world and extracting from the world and that our products and our services uh, are creating more harm than good, maybe damaging the environment, appealing to our base instincts rather than our higher aspirations, exploiting workers, increasing the gap between the wealthy and the poor. So work can often seem like a big part of the problem in the world, not the solution. And I think we need to acknowledge the pain and the reality of that. But I also think it's crucial that we understand three things. First of all, that this futility, this sense of futility in work, is to do with the fallenness of creation that actually affects every part of creation. It affects our relationships, it affects our physical health, it affects areas like government. And if we're honest, it affects each one of us within ourselves. It also affects the gift of work. And it's not work itself by its very nature that is fallen, but it's the creation we live in. And secondly, I think we need to understand that God has not left us in this quandary uh, to struggle in it, but he is calling us, and to, to use your language, to redeem work, to bring it alive in the greater purpose and calling, the, the privilege that he called us to in the first place. And thirdly, to recognize that we, I mean, this is for everybody, and we can find common cause with those we work alongside and with, but surely especially those of us who are filled with his Holy Spirit uh, are called to play a leading and an imaginative um, place in this. And in um, the book of Romans, St. Paul in Romans 8, he says this, in all things, including work, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And it says that we're like the first fruits of what God is growing out of the futility uh, into the purposes that he has for the world. And so we're called to be the first fruits in our work. And what I think this means is that we are invited to be the very people who can start to show a better way. What would it look like if we took so seriously the privilege of God's spirit within us that we, we are the ones who stand up and say, let's start to imagine how we can make our products, our services, um, even better, more of a blessing uh, to those that we serve and to the creation. What would it look like if, if we were to say, how can we love and serve our colleagues and our team in a, such a beautiful way that it's just like how Jesus would do it? Or if we, um, to think about how we can steward the gifts of creation better. You know, whatever it is, um, we are called to be the first fruits of what God is doing and to show a better way. And so God is actually redeeming work through us, through, by, by turning this futility into fruitfulness. And the, the, the second thing is just to say, well, okay, if that's the vision a beautiful vision, then why does it feel so frustrating? Um, because it does, doesn't it? You know, I've chatted to nurses and doctors who feel like, oh, all this targets and the bureaucracy that I'm stuck in at the moment, it's stopping me from getting on and caring for the very patients that I want to serve. Or people who work maybe in the city and, and your experience is marred by the um, manager, the incompetent and uh, uh, maybe overbearing manager who's overseeing you. Or maybe... Um, we find ourselves in a shop or an office or a hotel, wherever it might be, where we just feel underutilized, overlooked, and quite frankly, bored. Um, maybe we are a teacher or somebody else, we're facing discrimination. Whatever it is, work 
inescapably can feel frustrating in a fallen world. And in, in the book of Genesis, um, it says that actually after the fall, that the fruitfulness of work, um, there's also thorns and thistles growing up. However, nonetheless, St. Paul also says this. He says that I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory, think of the word God's purpose, the glory that will be revealed in us. And you know, this word glory is a, an amazing word. It is not in the Bible just something that we sort of go to in a long distance future uh, in a kind of another place. The glory in the Bible is a word which describes God's purposes breaking into the earth and into every um, sector of existence, including the earth. And the prophets talk about the glory of God filling the earth as the waters cover the sea. And as far as I know, there's no sea that isn't covered by waters. That's, that's, that's the vision. And so it's breaking into this world, but St. Paul writes that it's happening and being revealed in us. And that our present sufferings, they're, they're very real, but they're not worth um, comparing with it. And he also says this, he says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Uh, it says that he's interceding for us. Did you know that when we go to work, when you go to work tomorrow or whenever it is, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you there? Did you know that it says he's groaning with you in your groans there? Uh, that he's bringing strength to you? That he is imparting wisdom, the wisdom of the mind that created the whole world in the first place to you and to me? Um, and that he's bringing us boldness and courage so that we can press on and overcome these frustrations and, and actually see the reality of our work changed, transformed as he redeems it and as he turns our frustration into fortitude. He's changed the world. So I think we, we have a beautiful vision, Catherine, an amazing calling. And, and we are invited, each one of us, wherever you are, wherever we're doing, to allow this to sink in, to hit us. And if we will, to let God to touch us, anoint us, use us to be people of change and inspiration, catalysts in the workplaces that we go to. Thank you so much, Tom. Gooby, I wonder whether I could ask you how you connect what you do with this idea that God's got a redemptive plan and purpose for his, his world. You work for the NHS. It has been an incredibly challenging time in the past few years, especially post-pandemic. And how have you navigated all of that and what keeps you going? Thanks, Catherine. Um, so, um, first of all, um, I'm an obstetrician um, by background. So, um, I used to work just, you know, the one in front of me delivering. I'm a high-risk obstetrician, so difficult pregnancies, difficult births. And I think during that time, um, I was schooled. Um, and a friend of mine, or somebody, in fact, I delivered, described actually what I did as the purveyor of first breaths. And it was, it's, it's something I cherish now because it's actually about being there at the time of creation and seeing the miracle of God working. But what I soon realized after that was that he was saying, now you can do it for the one. I'm going to give you the ability to translate it 
beyond. So if you think about the NHS, the NHS is accessible to all. It is available to all. That's the principle, that's the hallmark of the NHS. But this is like Jesus's ministry, because if we had to ask anybody who, wasn't, who isn't even a Christian, what did Jesus did? He healed the sick. And so again, this is what the NHS is. So unlike probably most of the other professions, I think the healthcare and NHS really, you can see it as ministry and people coming in, it's a caring profession. Um, but what is the NHS now? It's difficult leadership. It's difficult time post-COVID. There are challenges, there are financial challenges. We've got waiting lists, which we haven't caught up with since um, COVID. We've got a workforce that are tired. They haven't had a break. Um, we've got a front door, the emergency services. We've got the ambulance services. Everything is straining, you know, and it's really difficult to galvanize people to do what they passionately want to do. Um, how do I, as um, a leader in the NHS, get through the day? Um, I put one foot in front of the other. Um, there are times where you know you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Um, I've said there are days that I think I physically cannot get out of bed because I've probably had about two hours sleep. Um, and But actually, you say, Lord, if you want me to go, you're going to have to, you're going to have to get me up. So, He's there, he's alongside, he's got the ideas, he gives you ideas in dreams. What's happening with the NHS now as a complex organization, the top employer, 1.5 million people in Europe working for the NHS, um, we need new ideas and our ideas will be God-given ideas because we've come to the end of our solutions and that's what he does. And you see him every day just using you, giving you ideas, helping you help people. Thank you. Thank you, Gubby. Um, Tori, you've worked in the banking sector for 43 years, and I imagine that in banking, it's not the easiest environment. There have been many challenges, I imagine lots of frustrations. But as a person of faith who's put your trust in Jesus, how, how has your faith helped you navigate some of the most difficult and challenging times in banking? Well, thank you, and, and, and tough to follow these two. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll break it down into three areas. <clears throat> the first I'll talk about is navigating uncertainties and the unexpected. You know, we all plan our lives, we all think, it's going to flow easy. I can sit here and say, this is what's going to happen this week. Um, these are the various meetings or client visits, et cetera. But something will indefinitely in, in happen in, in that period of time. So we have to manage those. And how do we do that? We have to trust that God's got a plan for us, that he's looking out for us. And equally, you're managing the unexpected. If I look back at my career, there have been so many unexpected things that have happened, but the, probably, the, the, without a doubt, the most unexpected was when our son passed away 20 years ago. And I was at work, and the whole situation took place. How do you manage that? How do you go about it? How do you get up, and how do you live for the next day? And that all goes back to trusting in the, in the Lord. And there are two areas from Scripture that you look at. Um, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 talks about trusting in the Lord 
And then something, another verse that goes back to my childhood was 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And you have to set that in your mind and know that God is, is looking out for you, the Holy Spirit, etc. So key from that aspect. Secondly is having to make tough decisions in, that affect people's lives and many times that they're good people. You know, work changes. Uh, different roles can go away. They're not always the same. The wisdom to talk to people about those difficult situations. And I'm actually thankful God's put me in some difficult situations so I can relate more to the people. I, I work very hard to make sure that those conversations are really meaningful for the people. And I know that they're tough. And I will go out of my way to help people land another spot. Just happened recently and, and a role's going away and, and this person happens to be a Christian and we've spoken quite a bit about faith. And I was talking to him and I said, look, I'm gonna pray for you and your family and you will be in my prayers going forward. And that meant so much to him. And I'll also help him in any way that I can, as I mentioned before. But as soon as I said that, as we were walking away, I started praying. I also want to be a person who backs up what they say with their words. I want that integrity uh, to be there. And the last thing I'll say in, in, in from a work standpoint is you're always going to run into challenging personalities or people that don't function as much from a team perspective and attitude. And how do you deal with that? How do you, how do you bring people together? How do you make everybody work as one? I've always taken sort of a high road and tried to, to uh, have that humility. And that goes back to one of my favorite verses, which is Philippians 2, 3, where, where it's talked about just being humble and, and being very Christ-like uh, in that setting. So those are important things, and it, it's, it's worked. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer with people, but I found that to be very successful. I think the fundamental thing about if you talk about the challenges is going back the challenges we face from a work standpoint on a daily basis, scripture evidences things that we can look at and things we can relate to. And I think that helps. And one person gave me a piece of advice and he wasn't a Christian. It was one of our board directors years ago. And he said, if you can start your day by having a daily devotion, that can give you a good outlook and good thought process when those difficult situations come up. Thank you. Gooby, um, you, you've been such a role model and mentor to me. And um, you've done so much work within the NHS around racial diversity, inclusion, and equality in the workplace. And in addition to having such a full-on job, you also have served as a governor um, on the board of governors of two schools for girls. And I just want to ask you, like, why do you do that? Why is that important to you? And why does it matter? Okay. Um, so <laughs> quite a lot of um, what I do, uh, it's accidental. You know, like, um, it's not like there's a plan and in five years' time I'm going to be there and ten years' time I'm going to be there. I just, I sort of meander through. Um, but in the whole sort of EDI space, it's a space I've sort of kind of, as I've become more senior, 
sort of been dragged into. Um, and I say that not with the greatest of pride, because now that I'm in that space, I sort of feel bad that I haven't been in that space all my career. Um, but um, it, it's, you know, there'd be senior appointments, there'd be selection committees, there'd be all sorts of things, and they'd need female, they'd need black, they'd need leader, and they'd get me priced three for one. And so I, so, so it's like me again, you know, and it was like, oh, yeah. But, but as you say, never waste anything, because what it then used to do was it started me being around the tables where the conversations were happening. Um, and you could see that those were the tables that where the decision was being made. One of the things with the whole EDI agenda is always sort of there, you know, in a corner, and it's an item, agenda item number eight. You come in, you talk about it, and you go out, and it must go, oh, yes, we must do something more. Um, but actually being a leader, having been schooled in management in the NHS before I came onto the EDI, I knew how it worked. I knew what was important. I knew it's about vacancy rates and it's about, um, it's, it's about uh, recruitment and retention and it's about the workforce and it's about productivity. And one of the things with the NHS is, the, particularly in London, the patients reflect the diversity of, of, of our population. The staff reflect the diversity of our population, but the leadership is the snowy white peaks. So again, it was the people making the decisions were far removed from where it was, but the critical thing was COVID. I was in the right place at the right time because COVID came and health inequalities came to the top of the agenda because COVID blew the lid on the fact that health inequalities affected different groups. We've kind of always known that, but we've never had it in our face as with COVID. So suddenly it's at the top of the agenda. So I've then had to really go back and sort of say, how has this been happening? Where have I been? Feeling quite guilty that I hadn't been a, a, a voice before this, but actually um, God has a way of saying, but we need your voice now in a way that people who are comfortable with you will hear, will receive, will squirm a bit and feel a bit uncomfortable, but will be able to accept it. So all my leadership training up to then was for a time such as this, and that's where I've come into the space. Um, Tori, when we were chatting last week, you um, you mentioned something about um, leadership and kind of realizing one's own ego and then recognizing that you, you have to build a team of people around you. And often some of these people are smarter than you, um, have gone to better schools than you. How do you hold that space? How do you navigate that tension? And how do you, you hold things lightly um, as a leader in your sector? You know, I, I think leadership is, is uh, much as, as uh, we just talked about, I've sort of bounced around in terms of, I call myself walking into walls sometimes and then uh, moving on to the next wall and, uh, and, and the next role from that. 
But you also seek, you also seek wisdom. James talks about seeking wisdom in, in, in chapter one, and I think that's, that's vital for all of us. I think being a good leader, I've always taken the view, I don't have to be the smartest person, nor will I be the smartest person in the room. I always want a team around that has different skill sets, um, diversity. Uh, there's, there's, there's great things that come out of diversity. There's, there's different ways of thinking, different ways of looking at things. And that's so important as we navigate the world going forward. So you try to have that. And I'm very comfortable not being the smartest person uh, uh, in the setting. And that's important because that's going to give us the best opportunities to do things going forward. I'm also of a view that you have to care about your people. I take a posture, and I've done this throughout my career, where I walk the floors on a continuous basis. I love to stop at the desks of, of people. If I have a meeting with somebody who's more junior, I'll tend to go to their location. And that gives people a sense of pride. It gives people a sense of that they belong. And... Um, it's only the right thing to do. It's also, I've been blessed with one thing, and that's been a good memory. And I can remember about uh, people's kids, about what they've done on the weekend, or who their favorite sports teams, etc. And if you have those kind of conversations, again, not only is it the right thing to do, but it brings people closer to you, and it brings that family atmosphere and that ability to work together all very important from, from a leadership standpoint. And something about leadership is you learn throughout your career. There are times I was probably too tough on people early in my career, and those things, times have changed. I've also learned, and the, the last thing I'll say, I've learned if you do make a mistake and if you don't treat people right, apologize afterwards. Be willing to say that you're sorry. Show your humanity. If people see your humanity, they'll react in a much better way. Gibby, I, I wonder whether, um, just in case there might be someone today who's really at the end of their, like, I know what resilience is, but I'm literally, I've got nothing. Um, and you must see this in the NHS a lot. People are with burnout, extreme fatigue. Um, I wonder whether you have any encouragement for, for those who really feel like the amount of work I do, um, I've, I've reached the end of myself. Um, I speak to people like that daily. Um, and I was one of those people as well. And... Um, I remember that season, I called it my duvet days, you know, because you just want to go under the duvet and just, you know, that's it. I don't want to come out. I don't want to face well. And, you know, it was a very challenging time. But one of the things I learned during that time is when you get to the end of yourself, that's when he takes over. And I've off, I mean, what I've seen is that he's going, I've been waiting. I've been waiting, but we, we strive, we can do it, we, we're driven. You know, yes, a little Arab prayer here and there, but we're still in control. The minute you hand over the reins, one, it takes you off the hook, and then he goes, just watch me do what I'll do. And then he starts to show off. You know, he starts to show off. Things you were striving for become easy, and you know that because you say something, 
it wasn't that clever, but the impact of it, and that's, you know, like, and you go, really? What, you know, what did I just say? Um, but, but it's really often, it's him kicking in. So it's that journey of letting go and letting him, he's got the solutions. He will fill us up. I mean, I think in COVID times, particularly, um, we, I was just stuck in a chair on Teams calls from beginning of the day to the end of the day. I was as dry as a crisp. I mean, absolutely. Um, and you're suddenly thinking, I'm just running on fumes, you know, or, you know, like a car with that, no petrol, just fumes. But literally, if he fills you up, honestly, that's where you need to go. It's nothing I can say. It's nothing clever about what I can say. It's what he can say, and it's what he can do through us. Tom, I'm actually Gubby and Tori have both um, been contributors at Workplace, which happens um, after the five o'clock service here at Brompton Road. But Tom, I wonder whether you have any final reflections on, you know, the role of Workplace and how key it is um, in this season. And actually, um, most of the most of all of us here will spend a lot of time. Um, in an office, in an environment, and Monday morning will come and you're back on the tube. And that's when Sunday was great, but what does this mean on Monday morning? What, what do you see the role of workplace in that in the next season? Thank you. Um, well, you know, we really believe that God does have a purpose for us in our work and for our work. And we want this to be at the center of, center of our vision for society, as Archie was saying earlier, and we want to release people into it. And, you know, I, I love what Gooby just said. I, I, just to encourage people not to underestimate what God can do through us um, in our weakness. And it's wonderful to hear the stories from Gooby and Tori and, and, and see how he's raised you both up and there are others. And, you know, we dare to believe there are other, there are future Goobies and future Tories, as well as future Catherines um, in, in the congregation here. Not all of us may be called to the, to the top, and, um, but you know, wh however influential we, we feel our role is or isn't, I think if we can all grasp that we are a part of the jigsaw, and if we don't play our part, and if we don't step into this being the first fruits where God has placed us, the world is missing something. Um, God has called us to it, he's called you to it. And, and I think this is a time we need vision and we need leadership in every part of our society. And this is a time to stand up. It's to be, have the courage to break the mold. And St. Paul says this, he, the spirit hasn't, um, the spirit received hasn't made us against slaves to fear. But he's called us to be adopted as the children of God. And, you know, wherever we are, we're there as the children of God. It's mind-blowing with those resources. So, with Workplace, what are we trying to do? Well, it's one thing to try and do that and go out and do that each of us, but it's quite hard to just do it on our own. So we're trying to, to foster the community where we can support each other. Um, we can connect, we can pray for each other. One of the things that I hope we'll do is find ways of collaborating with each other, creating new initiatives that wouldn't otherwise have existed other than what the Spirit of God is birthing in our community together with others uh, around us and outside of the church. So uh, we just love to invite you to get involved. There is an event, uh, a central, it's on Thursday, 29th of February, Leap Day and we've got the managing director of um, Innocent Drinks coming to join. We're going to think about um, how does the Holy Spirit show up 
in our work. We'd love you to invite you to that. So look on the website to find out more, get involved. And as we do that, let's just see what God can do as he works through us in our places of work. Thank you so much, Tom. Would you give a very warm welcome to Tom, Gubby and Tori. Did you know there are more than 6 million jobs in London, serving a million businesses, 3,000 schools, 300 hospitals, and more than 1,000 theatres and art galleries? Most of us spend one third of our waking hours at work. But is any of this activity relevant to the Christian life? Does it matter to God? And if so, how? The answer is yes, our work matters a great deal. In fact, God not only cares about our work, but he's intimately involved in our work with us and through us to provide better for others and to care for his world. You have been placed into work with a purpose. You are work placed. And through our work placed initiative, we are going here at HTB on a journey to explore more about how to live out and fulfill God's purpose for our work in our daily lives. We want to connect with others in similar fields to pray for and support each other, discovering new, fresh and imaginative ways of collaborating so that our work makes a greater difference to people's lives in this, our great city and across God's world. And we'd love you to get involved. Please see hgb.org forward slash workplace to find out more and to join with us.